Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. What a time. Ayers in the house. Ayers... Cloistered. Cloistered. Sheltered. Sheltered. Well, I don't like sheltered. I don't... Sheltering in place is what you do when there's an earthquake, which we did have this week. Yeah, this is going to date this, but man, we can't not talk about this. This is amazing. What a week. Just when you think things couldn't get worse, I woke up in the night with my bed lifting up. The whole house lifting up. <laughs> oh, you up. just dreamed that. Oh, my goodness. Richard slept <laughs> through the whole thing. So we've had everything. We've had, in fact, someone called me the other day and said they looked up the word plague and it mentioned three things. It said plagues are uh, can usually involve either insect insect infestations or earthquakes or pandemics. And if you count what's happening with the locusts in Africa and our earthquake this week, and of course the pandemic that continues on, we're we're a pretty good definition of a plague. I hate to say that, but times are really interesting, Linda. And we're here today on the radio not to make light of anything and not to underplay anything, but rather to do just the opposite, to try to give you some thoughts and some help on whether there are any silver linings to what's happening right now. And how we can maybe use the unexpected gift of time that we have with our children that we normally wouldn't have. Wow. Um, we were just talking last night about how long this week was. <laughs> this, uh, it was it's just amazing. a week ago. It was well, a week was ago on Wednesday. Now. Well, yeah, that's uh, just true. last, just Wednesday, it was a week and, and, for us, the whole thing started um, on that Wednesday. We were at a, well, I think we told some of this on the show last week. So let us, let's just say it's been a brief time, but an intense time. Does it seem like it's been more than nine days or so since this really broke out? It seems like it's been nine weeks. Oh my goodness. It seems like such a long time, except that it does seem like we just did the radio show in some ways. Yeah, <laughs> so some true. things go fast, some things go slow. It is quite incredible. This is a moment in history that we'll never experience again. But here's what we want to try to do today. Hopefully. This is for ourselves as well as for you. We want to talk about a very interesting word. The word is stewardship. And here's how it's particularly relevant right now in the middle of this pandemic. Um, as we, as Linda and I speak to audiences around the world, one of the things we often do is to say, is to ask people to sort of inventory their priorities. And basically we say, you know, what's the most important thing to you in the world? List, list the most important things. And it's so predictable. People will always put family first. And then they'll probably put their beliefs or their character or their faith. And then they'll usually put their work or their profession. No, almost predictably, and, and they may not use those exact words, but it'll always be, they'll say, you know, people in generally, and this is across the world, not just in this country, but everywhere we go, they'll say, well, family's the most important thing. They may say children, they may say marriage, but, but essentially they'll say family's most important. And they'll say, 
you know, my, my, who I am and, and what I believe, my faith or whatever, is the second most important. And then they'll get to their career and their investments and their hobbies and the other things. And then what we usually do is we say, now we want you to be really honest with yourself and list those same things that you've already put on your piece of paper, but list them in terms of how much time and how much mental energy you spend on them. And you see where we're going with this because most most people, the list is reversed. Now, instead of in third place, work and investments and material things come out number one. And a lot of times personal interests and hobbies and faiths, uh, faith and so on come in number two and family often comes in third. And so <clears throat> the point we try to make is that oftentimes the the frustration we feel and sometimes the guilt we feel and often the uh, sort of disconnection we feel in our lives is related to the fact that there's, a, there, there's an inverse relationship between what we think is important and what we spend our time and effort on. And so, you know, it's intended to sort of get us off on, a, on an interesting footing as we try to speak to people. But here's the thing, Linda. I think that this pandemic for many, many people throughout the world is creating an alignment between what their priorities are and what they think is most important and how they're spending their time. It's, it's sort of enforced on us. It's so interesting. And not only just family of family, I mean, all of a sudden family put is front and center because if you don't live with your family, you're calling them, you're figuring out, you're emailing them, they're figuring out how they are and how they're feeling and what you can do for them. And uh, family and, ex and then extended family, first or of all, particularly, immediate family, well, particularly extended if family. If your kids are at home so unexpectedly and schools are closed as they are in most of the world now, suddenly you are spending, your time is devoted whether you like it or not to what you say is your your highest priority because they are right in front of you and you have to pay attention to it but what i was going to say is it goes from those nuclear kids in your home to right the kids who have left home goes to your extended family but now as of this morning they have announced and this will be old news i guess by the time we re you re-listen or well, hear this be pretty new but um the whole world is searching for uh uh, a cure, not a cure, but a um, yeah, a cure or a, a vaccine, a vaccine or, a, or, or something. A medication that'll work. I mean, the labs are open. I heard it's on a the global TV competition. Oh, all night, all night, day and night, they're trying to figure out some kind of vaccine or some kind of a thing that we can do to curb this curve, take take this curve away because <laughs> it is taking over the world. And so we're not trying to imply that any of us are happy about this pandemic because obviously we're all terribly worried and it's personal worry for so many of us within our families. But we are saying that if there is a silver lining, and we talked a little about this last week on the show, maybe it is that we're spending, we have the opportunity because of things that are canceled, because of school that's out, because of working at home, because of so many things, to be with our children more than we have for years. 
and therefore to align our priorities with where we're spending our time. Now, and your point is well taken, Linda, that, I mean, we spent the whole day yesterday just FaceTiming all of our children and our grandchildren, just one after the other trying to reach them. It took us the whole day, and it was one of the most family-centered days we've ever had. And we couldn't have done it. It wouldn't have been practical. We wouldn't even have thought to do it were it not for the the situation of the pandemic and the concerns. I mean, it's not just a time thing, is it? It's when when there's a crisis, we're always we're always inclined to think about those we love most, obviously. The interesting part of that is up until now, the internet has pretty much been the villain. <laughs> I mean, as far as our kids being on social yeah. media and all that. And now suddenly things have totally changed. It's our salvation. It's our salvation. It is amazing what can happen because we are able to reach each other in most cases, maybe not all because many still may not have that access. And, you know, you have an earthquake. Uh, a lot of electricity was interrupted yesterday. Um, not yesterday. Day, well, when it happened a couple of days week. ago. And it is amazing that we are able to, contact our people yeah. um i do have to say and i don't think i mentioned this last week that it's been exactly a hundred years since my grandmother and her two babies her two little two and a half and eight month old died of the spanish influenza it's exactly a hundred years. years and they and had no way to contact each other they had no way of knowing what anybody was doing i mean of course they were cloistered around each other more than we are now but well that is the irony though linda that, that even as we isolate and quarantine ourselves we're more connected and more in touch with those we love than ever before because of the technology of our world thank goodness for it the only thing that would really devastate everyone is if on top of the pandemic there was somehow no way communication was down. Then. Well, mostly because of business. What is there, what there is left of it? I mean, everybody's working yeah. from home everywhere. I'm worried about that collapsing next because how in the world can it handle all this? Well, let's not, but go, let's there. not go there. Okay. <laughs> let's let's um, say that what we're going to focus on today, and we're leading into it through everything we've set up to now, Stewardship. There's this incredible word that we think sort of comes home to roost and, and becomes tremendously relevant right now. Stewardship. And some of you know we've written a couple of books with stewardship in the title. And, and our definition, of course, is a stewardship is a gift of God. Um, it's sort of the antidote to the false concept of ownership. We don't really own anything. God owns everything, and we are stewards. We are entrusted with certain things that we often talk about as though we own them, but but really we don't own anything. And, and, and that's particularly true within our families. Our children are our greatest stewardship. Our marriages, our relationships, these are gifts of God. These are things over which we are stewards and Stewardship is the greatest motivational factor in the world. A lot of economic talk would say ownership motivates you because if you own something, you take care of it. If you had to work for it, you earned it. Now you you take care of it because of ownership. And that there's a lot of truth in that, but that's an economic concept. A spiritual concept is we take even better care of things when we see them as stewardships. 
And so we're in a time with this pandemic right now where we have the opportunity to devote ourselves more fully and more consciously and more deliberately to our most important stewardships, namely to our family. So we're going to talk a little about what that means to us and what we think it means to you being a steward during these very, very difficult times, because a steward not only takes care of things, a steward asks for help from the real owner. So a steward is not only disciplined and responsible and prioritized, a steward is asking in prayer for help on these stewardships from the true owner, the one owner, who is God. Um, it is a time that uh, we'll look back on and just shake our heads. How could that have happened? But it, it did. We kept saying, no, this is not happening. This is, no, this is impossible. But um, the whole world has come to a screeching halt, and it is quite an incredible moment of time. I am excited about the things that are laying before us for the next yeah, how long? Weeks? Months? Who knows? Um, because I'm going to get so much done that I have not been able to get to before. I woke up yesterday just actually euphoric thinking, I have this whole day that I can do whatever I need to. And that that is a luxury because we do not have children at home. <laughs> For those of you who are home alone with your kids, it is really tough. As most of our kids are, and we talked to all of them yesterday, and it's, it's both difficult and it's opportunistic in terms of spending time. Before we go to a little break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk in depth about this word stewardship and how it applies right now. But before we go to break, uh, we did mention last week, and we repeat it today, that we've been trying to help families in any way we can. And on the website, valuesparenting.com, you can go there, valuesparenting.com, and scroll down to something that says free help for you and your family. And there's six things that we're just making them free through, the, all, through all of April that may help you in this extra time you have with your children. So we'll go through some of those in the next half. Hang on, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back. We are talking about the world and everything in it today, but we want to give you some specific suggestions. We're talking in the framework, this wonderful framework of stewardship, this paradigm where we own nothing, but we are entrusted with certain things. And we want to read you a couple of little sections from a book. We, we tried to make this really dramatic, Linda. So here's the beginning of a little story. We tried to this. <laughs> well, you were helping you me. You this. were helping me. Okay, but this is pretty wild here. Problems. I'd put my list up against anyone's. My 15-year-old daughter is on serious drugs. I know exactly what she uses and when and is flunking school. And my 12- and 19-year-old boys are far more influenced by their friends than by their family or the church or by anything except maybe the media. It's like I can see right into their thoughts. My marriage was rocky for years before the events that separated Darcy and me last winter. 
And while I really don't care very much anymore, my old business, I left it last winter too, is floundering. Problems, lots of problems. And my biggest problem is that I'm dead. Now, I'm going to pick it up from there. It was <laughs> death that separated me from Darcy and from my business. And it is now giving me such clear insight into things I didn't have a clue about while I was alive. That's what makes everything so exasperating. I know so much more about my problems now, but I can do so much less about them. That's one thing about death. I know you won't really understand this because you're not dead, but I can tell you when you die, you know two things immediately. One, you know everything you should have been doing while you were alive. And two, you know that it's too late to do any of it now. It happened so fast, my death that is. In fact, it happened instantly. One moment I was jogging along Pinecrest Drive and the next moment I was actually looking down on my own body. A massive heart attack had dropped me in my tracks. The jogging was part of my concentrated effort to get back in shape, part of the resolutions I'd made, family, self, and relationships. That's what I called my New Year's resolution. Pull back and give some time and energy from work and spend it on my marriage and on my kids, on my deteriorating body and on the people in my life that I care for, but I have neglected. It seemed like such a strong and solid res resolution but I was having trouble with it. Work was so demanding. Time was the main problem. I see now that time is always the problem and always the beginning. You see, there just wasn't time to do much on family and relationships. And it was February 15th, six and a half weeks since I'd made that resolution. I still hadn't started the exercise part. So I was jogging, seeing how far out of shape I was. I ran two miles down the old mill stream, and then I had to try and run back, mostly uphill. Like I said, the heart attack wasn't gradual. It was like being shot. I fell right in the middle of the road. The two boys on their bikes who saw me thought I was playing some kind of game, and I was watching them and watching my body lying there. I can't tell you how strange that was, and from that very moment, everything looked so different to me. What was really happening down there seemed so simple and in some ways so ridiculous. I could see what ought to be happening, but I couldn't do anything about it. So, and the story goes on from there at the beginning of this book, pointing out how obvious it is when we can take a pause. And in this case, the pause is this man dying. But in his new perspective, he now understands so clearly that the things he was spending most of his time on were not the important things. And the things he was neglecting, namely his stewardships, were the things that were the most valuable and the most important. And, and what we're saying is that maybe this hiatus of this, of this virus is actually giving us a chance to deal with our own priorities in a new way. It's giving us a reset button. It's giving us a time to say, wait, I'm suddenly now with my children all day long. This is a time to catch up. This is a time to get these relationships in a condition where I can really make something work. You know, we're anything but the first people to think of how important stewardship is. Stewardship eliminates pride. 
There's a there's a fantastic that the attitude of stewardship eliminates pride. Listen to this quote from G.K. Chesterton. I love this. Humility was largely meant as a restraint upon the arrogant and the infinity of man. If a man would make his world large, he must always be making himself small. Pinnacles are the creation of humility. It is impossible without humility to enjoy anything, even pride. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I love that. And the idea that when, when you are humble, when you are making yourself small, that's when God and his creations and everything around us seems large and wonderful and impressive and and real and that's what puts us in this perspective of stewardship how about this one from thomas moore pride measures her advantages not by what she has but by what other people lack pride would not be condensed even to be made would not condescend even to be made a goddess if there were no wretches for her to sneer at and domineer over. Her good fortune, pride, her good fortune is dazzling only by contrast with the miseries of others. Her riches are valuable only as they torment and tantalize the poverty of others. Pride is a serpent from hell which twines itself around the hearts of men and it acts like the suckfish in holding them back from choosing a better way of life. Thomas More. Whoa. Whoa, that is pretty scary. Um, it is, you know, I don't think any of us are very prideful right now, though. Yeah, I that's mean, what I'm saying. We this are drives so pride out of us. feeling so humble because of our circumstances. We have no control over anything, really. And um, The pandemic is, is making us see things more realistically. It is really true. I, one of the things we try to say in this in this book on stewardship, it's called Spiritual Stewardship, by the way, and, and it's free. We're, we're going to suggest that maybe it's something you might want to read during this interesting time. But it suggests that people in general live on four different levels. And the, the, the lowest level is the entitlement level, where people basically, and a lot of our kids are affected with this, an entitlement attitude where they essentially say, the world owes me a living. It's all about me. The world owes me a living. I deserve certain things. I should have them. I'm entitled. Level two is a little higher level where you say, I own. I own things. I deserve what I have, and you deserve what you have. I I own things. The ownership level. Level three is where much is given, much is required. Because I've been given much, I have to give something back. And that's a high level. That's that's when people begin to realize their responsibility, at least. But level four is the stewardship level, the highest level, where we essentially say all belongs to God. Through my stewardships, I can assist him in his purposes. That's That's what I think we're all trying for. And we're just suggesting that maybe this pandemic is a time to assess not only our stewardships, but to assess our attitudes and our paradigms. Do we think and live as stewards? And many of you are already into this, what can I do to help other people around me? We're all aware of single people living on their own or people who right. have been involved in an earthquake um, in a 
their trailer home and everything's gone. I mean, there are so many people who are needing our help and attention, starting with our kids. So how do we do it? Let, let, us, let, let us read you a short poem that sort of leads into something that's really memorable, <clears throat> excuse me, and that might help us as we, as we progress here. It's called The Three Keys. I've never cared for poetry that rhymes. It underplays freedom, overplays structure, but occasionally sets, sets of rhyming words are all right. If they serve a purpose, make a point, peg our memories, and it so happens that the three capacities that draw and define the attitude of steward can be stewardship can be introduced as three simple rhyming words. It's fortunate that there are only three capacities. Three can be remembered, retained, related to the day-to-day, especially when they rhyme. Let me coax and clue and question you into them. As you consider the prior outline and insights, what three elements does stewardship include? What are the three prerequisites to the attitude? What are the three things that good stewards always do? What are the three qualities that combine to create an attitude of stewardship? What are the three basic soul patterns or practices which, when consistent and constant, cultivate stewardship? Can I say it? Yes. These are the three. Prayer, share, care. Prayer, share, and care. Now think about that for a minute. Stewardship requires awareness of the owner and thanksgiving to him. And stewardship operates by a communication between master and steward. We call that prayer. True stewardships use their entrustments to benefit others through an empathy, a sensitivity, a service called share. And stewardships grow as they are nurtured, exercised, expanded, developed under the master's direction, a protecting, a watching out for, which we call care. Wow. Those are good, really good things because everybody is in a different situation. I I had not thought about funerals. I mean, they're having to have very private family funerals through this. Weddings. We have a granddaughter whose wedding is going to be canceled. It was, it was supposed to happen in Hawaii, and I, I don't know. Well, they're not going to cancel the wedding. They're still going to get married, but it, it is going to be so different than they had planned. So we want you to think, if you will, we're, we're inviting you during this pandemic to think about an attitude of stewardship where what you're focused on is your prayer, <clears throat> excuse me, what you can share, and caring. How much really you can caring. care, yeah. And there's one other way to think about it, Linda, and I want to just mention this before we wrap up. Um, there, are, there, are, there are three words that start with G, which we think are also part of what stewardship is. I want you to just reflect on these. One is gratitude. Two is guidance, and three is generosity. A steward, those are the three things that a true steward relies on. He's grateful, he's generous, and he seeks guidance. And that's what we all need to do in this very dark, very difficult time of pandemic. So as we close off, we want to be generous and 
we uh, we really would love it if you would go to valuesparenting.com and click on Irish Free Books. Well, just don't no. make it easy. Go to Irish Free Books. Just go to Irish Free Books and scroll down, and you'll come to a book called Spiritual Serendipity that we've talked about today. Or if you are dying with your kids at home, go to Alexander's Amazing Adventures. It's yeah, on values first two parenting. are free. They're, they're for free. We want to help you Until get Until the end of April, just get through this. We love you all. We are praying for you as well. Hopefully by next time on Ours on the Road, things will look a little brighter. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for